Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. Welcome to Recovery Road. I'm your host, Merritt Hartblay, and this is where we bring together the mental health, substance abuse, wellness, and self-care communities to discuss issues of the day. I'm very excited about this week's guest, but first, if you're new to this program, you can find us on all your podcast platforms or at brannisenterprises.com. You can also find my book, Lost Innocence, My Journey from Addiction to Recovery, on amazon.com, both Kindle and paperback versions. So a little bit about uh, this week's guest. Steve Filson retired in 2009 after a 31-year career with the San Bernardino County Sheriff and San Bernardino Police Department. Steve is the owner of a private security company and a member of the administrative staff of the Public Safety Academy of San Bernardino. The academy serving uh, grades 6 to 12 is designed for students desiring to enter the public safety career field. Steve is a bereaved parent who lost his daughter to Alyssa Fentanyl in January 2020. He lives in Highland, California with his wife, Sherry, and their four-year-old granddaughter, Elara. Steve, welcome to Recovery Road. Oh, thank you, Mary. I appreciate the opportunity. So I, I actually, uh, I got your name from a bunch of guys, you know, that we're all working in this, in this fight together. Um, you know, uh, Ed Bish and uh, Ed Kobolis and uh, April Babcock and, uh, you know, uh, Diane Urban and Kathy Lawley. And, you know, I think we're a big family here. And, uh, you know, the audience knows, Steve, that... Um, I guess about a year ago, now it's a little over a year ago, I got introduced to uh, Diane Urban and Kathy Lawley. They just started Appalled and uh, talked to them, had them on the podcast. And then, you know, I've been a, a chemical dependency counselor and social worker for about uh, a little over 10 years. I also have 13 years of sobriety. And, you know, something came over me. I got that message from uh, a power greater than me to say you need to do something more. So for the last year or so, I've been uh, inviting parents and advocates to come on and talk about these horrible, senseless murders, you know, and what kills me, Steve, uh, is that as much as we're doing out there, there's not enough coming back from media. There's not enough come back. You know, we had this big, uh, uh, a rally in Washington, DC last August, you know, in front of the Chinese embassy and hundreds of families came out and not one media person showed up. So I know you've got a lot to talk about. I appreciate you doing this. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you to where you are today. Hey, again, like you said, uh, uh, I live out here in the city of San Bernardino in Southern California, about 60 miles east of uh, Metropolitan Los Angeles. 
I, I never thought I'd find myself in this position, obviously, until uh, January 22nd, uh, mm -hmm. two years ago, 2020, when my wife found our 29-year-old daughter uh, dead in, in her residence along with her boyfriend, uh, mm -hmm. Nicholas. And um, their two deaths were tied to two additional deaths um, associated with uh, uh, tainted uh, cocaine and uh, came from one distributor and and that, that's another long story, but the, uh, the police departments were investigating it and, and uh, the investigation continues. Yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to uh, get connected with some people and, and in October of 2020, traveled back to Columbus, Ohio, where I was very privileged to meet Eddie Kobolis, uh, Michael yeah, Gray. They're great, uh, those guys. Bad, uh, the, the host of people, uh, you know, Jaime Puerta, who's with my group, yeah. our group, uh, Void, yeah. Amy Neville. You know, the advocacy is is so broad, and there, there's a lot of different groups working towards the same goal. Right. And uh, one of the things that we had discovered initially when starting this out was, I think one of the, you know, obstacles that we have in investigating and getting to the root of the problem from a law enforcement perspective was that stigma of addiction. Right. Um, I know about that. I I I, uh, I had that stigma as a police officer. You know. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, you know, here, here's a house, here's somebody that's dead, drug overdose, they shouldn't have been using drugs. Well, that's until fentanyl came into the picture. Exactly. And I, I know you've, uh, if you haven't interviewed Michael Gray, you need to interview him. Oh, yeah, he's coming up, him and up, and, hey, and Jaime Puerta is coming up, and yeah, they're all coming up. Amy okay. Neville, yeah, all of them. My, Michael, will, Michael will distinctly illustrate the, the problem uh, in the... Uh, in his model, which he designed, he portrays as a, the old paradigm of right, you know, opiate use, and the new paradigm with the introduction of fentanyl into our society. And I'm certainly not going to try to, you know, explain <laughs> it. I don't sure. have that level of intelligence that Michael has. But once you hear it, you'll you'll get it. And because everybody, once they do hear it, they get it and understand it. We work under the premise of three things: fentanyl changes everything. But for fentanyl, our kids would still be here. And fentanyl remains a problem that, that most don't even know exists in our society. Until it affects you personally, it's a nothing. And uh, it's starting to gain a little speed, a little bit more notoriety than it deserves. But we're a long way away. The, uh, the distribution methods and, and things such as that, which is you know, really frightening, particularly through social media, such as Snapchat. Uh, Snapchat, Snapchat. Yeah, you know, you, you got a, you know, a situation to where a kid and, and, and what kid doesn't have a phone? I, like you said, I work here at a public safety academy. It's a school, grade six or 12. Great. Every kid has a friggin' cell phone. And I don't know how many of them, and I would probably be ventured to say 99.9% .9 of them have Instagram or Snapchat. Right. Um, Knowing that, I know they have access to things that they shouldn't have access to. And in particular with Snapchat, parents don't have the opportunity to do third-party monitoring. Of right, right. You know, you know that Snapchat talks about privacy issues and things like that. Well, who the hell has, what, what child has privacy from their parents? Exactly. Nor, nor should they because they're not right. capable of doing sure. themselves. But the issue is so broad, uh, you know, we... Uh, here in California, we formed the organization Void Victims of Illicit Drugs. Right. Uh, and we focused our, our intentions and our desires is awareness. The only thing that's going to reduce deaths is knowledge. 
knowledge is power and knowing what is out there, the threat of immediate death from fentanyl has to get out there or the deaths are gonna continue. I just, I just saw an article out of, uh, out of Florida where six spring breakers were hospitalized after what they refer, you know, after an overdose from cocaine laced with fentanyl hmm. last night. Well, let, let's get away from that terminology of overdose too. Because, right, it's murder, right? It's really murder. Well, well, people are being poisoned. People are right. being deceptively given this product. You know, if you're being deceived, you're being poisoned. If you're being poisoned, you're being murdered. Murdered. And that's what has to, you know, change as far as that. But, you know, here, why did these six spring breakers even risk you? Right. Exactly. Why did they even risk it? Exactly. You know, exactly. Look at another article, you know, exactly. that was published today out of Colorado Springs. In the last eight weeks, in the city of Cortez, city of Cortez, which is 8,800 people, small little community, eight fentanyl related deaths in the last three weeks, eight. They found three more dead in the motel room yesterday. Why are people taking these counterfeit pills? And right. in that Cortez incident, there were a bag of blue pills. Well, we know those blue pills to be the uh, counterfeit oxycontin, uh, oxycodone, whatever, M30s. Um, you know, let me ask you, let me ask you a question, Steve, uh, because I, you know, me actually being a recovering addict, I mean, I, you know, the drugs and the alcohol really are just the symptom when, when people are using drugs, I believe it's to try to cover up something deeper that's going on inside. And so I think that the stigma of mental health, you know, which is huge. I think this goes, this goes so much deeper, like no kid should be self-medicating when they have to be able to talk about something. And what do you think about that, Steve, about this whole thing about the mental health issue, which is tied to the drug abuse issue? I mean, why are, why are all these kids running? They're running away from something, I'm guessing. Well, they, they're, they're running away from something. They're, they're falling prey to peer pressure or, or whatever. I talked to a lady yesterday. We were working on an advertising campaign. And she told me that uh, a relative of her husband's, he was 21 years old, uh, two years ago, several months after my own daughter's death, uh, was with a group of people. Somebody walked up, hands out some pills. Nobody else in his group took them, but he did. And he dropped dead. And uh, because he didn't know about it. Right. You know, addiction wasn't the issue in that part. No. You know, uh, you know, uh, self-medication wasn't in that particular situation. Right. But addiction and people that are self-medicating for whatever issue or they want to, you know, Adderall, come on, they're Come counterfeiting on. Adderalls now, so well, kids get to study better or whatever. Xanax. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. You know, and I worked at, um, when I was going to grad school, I worked at a high school for about a year, and I worked with a lot of kids who came from families with all kinds okay. of issues. And, you know, there's trauma going on in their lives. And the schools, have, the teachers just aren't qualified enough to recognize trauma. You know, now there are some schools that have trauma-informed systems of care. But you have these kids that need somebody to talk to and there's nobody to talk to. So what do they do? They talk to a friend. A friend says, take one of this, smoke this. But, you know, listen, Steve, back in the day when I was younger, you know, we would experiment with smoke pot. We would do drugs, but there was never the expectation that you're going to die. No. But now I don't think you can't even socially use drugs anymore because, you know, you're playing Russian roulette. Absolutely. And, and you'll hear a lot more about that when you when you speak with Michael Gray on the, on the paradigm. Right. And, uh, it, it, again, your your light bulb will come on even more than it already is because you get it. I, right. I'm talking to you and hearing you. I, you get it. 
Oh yeah, yeah. It's a multi-pronged issue. Obviously, you know, we, we have uh, you know education, awareness, enforcement, and treatment. We need to come up with viable ways to deal with the market. If there wasn't a market for this stuff, there wouldn't be keep, there wouldn't be a need for it. Obviously. Well, let me ask so you a question. Are, yeah. <laughs> let me ask you a question. I, and I hate to get into the politics, but sometimes you can't avoid it. We're one of the greatest nations in the world. Our, our government knows that the fentanyl is coming, that's being produced in China. They know that China's working with the Mexican cartels. It's coming across our borders. Law enforcement or somebody's turning the other way. How are we allowing this to happen? I just, it's, it's unfathomable to me. If 300 or so people are dying every day, we're, wipe, we're wiping out a whole population, Steve. If we ever had to go to war, there'd be no kids to draft because they're all dead. Yeah, you can look at it that, from that perspective, and you're right. You know, as far as the, you know, the trafficking, you know, how many hundreds of ports besides the southern border do we oh have my gosh. in this country? Oh, my God. You know, you know the, main, uh, the, the main postal port or UPS ports and everything out originate out of uh, New York City, I guess, you know, and, and things right. then get distributed. Uh, you know, the southern border is obviously a problem. Uh, I'm not an expert on it. Uh, I, we have talked to enforcement and DEA officials that, you know, they even said, you know, there was, there is a theory that there's enough, you know, fentanyl in this country right now to kill everybody and it'll be here for years and years and years, you know, that we can't get rid of it. You know, some of the authorities and enforcement authorities that we've talked to is that if they were able to stem the flow effectively from the southern border, they could have an, a, an adverse impact on its distribution right. in, in our country. Right. Even with the existing amount of pills and things that are here. But you know so. what I think? But you know what I think, Steve? I think that it goes much deeper than that. I mean, you could bring in all the drugs you want, but if the kids are educated and if there are more mental health and substance use programs in the schools and they roll these things out, then you could bring all the product you want. But if they're not going to buy it and not going to use it, maybe that's a solution too. Well, it can be. And and kids have to understand, you know, and this isn't, we can't go back to the just saying no era. No, no, no. Things like that. Uh, no. You know, somebody had, had voiced an opinion to uh, Jaime, uh, myself, and, uh, and Amy relative to our video that was produced. It's called Dead on Arrival. I don't know if you had the opportunity to see it yet. Not yet, but I'm going to. Yeah, I heard about it. Yeah, watch that. It, it really illustrates, you know, the problem from our perspective and, you know, uh, of a brief parents and, and how they got it and what happened and everything. But the whole situation there is we, we were somebody didn't criticize us, but they thought that dead on arrival was more of a scare tactic and scare tactics aren't effective in, no. in, in whatever. Well, then, and, and I'll buy into that, but it's not a scare tactic when death is involved. Correct. You know, this, this isn't, we're not <laughs> talking about, you know, we don't want you to become an addict. No, we, it, it's like our, our director of the video says, he goes, we're, we're beyond addiction. Yes, I, he used to do these presentations and talk about. It. I don't want you to use drugs and get addicted to it. Right, it's past that. I don't want you to use the drug. Period. And not wake up the next morning. Right, right. And that's the issue. And that's yeah. we have to start with the awareness. Correct. And that I hope if it, if scaring them, we've done our presentation to kids. Right. We, we've done them from grade six through twelve, college level students also. Right. And it seems to have a profound effect. People, the audiences are riveted when they're watching the film. They're not being scared. They're asking the questions afterwards during our Q&A's. 
right. and they're valid questions. Right. You know, you know, what one valid question is, well, why would somebody want to deal drugs and kill their customer? <laughs> well, you know, no, I don't think the drug is being being distributed with the intent to kill anybody. No, it isn't. It's, being, it's to addict them. Correct. You know, you're, you're trying to create a market. But if these dealers know, if yeah. these dealers oh, yeah, of know, they do know, you know, but here's the thing. Do you know who Ed Turnin is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ed, Ed uh, works with uh, his organization, Song for Charlie. Song for Charlie. So what I've been doing is I'm trying to work with some families here in New York and Long Island to roll out these programs. But here's the thing that I've come up against, uh, Steve. You have a communities in denial. You know, I, I tried to run an awareness program out east in Long Island. And the problem was 6,000 families in this community. We don't have a problem. And if we see somebody walking into that meeting, oh, that means their family must have a problem. Right. So ha- you have to erase this stigma. You know, there's such a horrible, horrible stigma out there, Steve. Well, and with fentanyl, we were recently at a uh, at an organization conference back in Washington, D.C., where uh, I asked the audience during one of the, uh, the sessions, how many of you have been directly affected in your community or your community as a whole with fentanyl? Not many people raised their hand, and I was surprised. Right. But I shouldn't have been surprised because my follow-up statement to them was, you just don't know you've been affected. Right. And, and until it affects you immediate, you know, within your immediate family or friends, you're not going to. Right. That's why we have to have, you know, where's this outcry? Right. Over people are being poisoned, for God's sake. You where know, for it? two years, over two years now, we've been told, hey, wear that muzzle and make sure you stay six feet away from people. Are you going to catch COVID? <laughs> well, how about don't don't take a pill? One pill can kill. Yeah. If you don't get a pill from your doctor or a pharmacist, don't take the damn thing. Because number one, it's a counterfeit. Number two, four out of ten of those counterfeits have a fatal dose or a potentially fatal dose of fentanyl in them. Right. Why isn't that being marketed to the public? That's scary. That you know, and you go back to the um, you know, uh I went to school at a state university here in New York in Binghamton and uh mm-hmm. I do a lot of work with the university and uh, here's the thing. Uh, you have all these students and they're taking their friends, ADHD medication. They're taking the Adderall and they're chopping it up and snorting it so they can study more because of the expectations put upon them by their parents to perform at a high level. I lectured at, I lectured at a class a couple of weeks ago, all freshmen and a human behavior class. And I said to them, how many kids are in the school? Cause your parents want you to be here. And all these hands went up. And I said, how many people in the school? Because your parents said, if you don't come here, they're not going to pay the tuition. And all these hands went up. And I said, you know what? All you kids who raised your hands, go back to your rooms, pack your bags and go home. Because yeah. if you're in the school for anybody. So there's so much pressure from parents for the kids to perform at a high level. You know, Steve? Well, and that, and that pressure breeds the need for helping them in their study habits. Yeah, exactly. And helping in them study habits. Adderall. Are they going to, you know, Dr. Smith to get an Adderall prescription? No, no. they're going to the street. They're going to Snapchat. They're going to Instagram. They're going to anything else and saying, do you know where I can score some Adderall? You right. know, and, and somebody say, oh, yeah, hey, here's my buddy. He's got them. He, he, he sells them for this amount. It's a counterfeit, for God's sakes. Folks, oh and, and what these kids have to understand, what you think you're trying to do to assist your study habits, you're playing Russian roulette. Right. I mean, I say, right. You know, it's like the, and again, I'm, I don't want to judge parents, Steve, but you know, yeah. the parent who says to the kid, 98 isn't good enough. It has to be a hundred, you know, well, B isn't good true. enough. You got to be an A. These kids are under so much stress and pressure 
to right. perform. It's wrong. I told my I, son, I I, you know, I told my son, you know what, just be happy. You know, if you don't want to take this class, drop that class, do something that you want to, that you enjoy, that you're passionate about. Well, find your niche in life. And yeah. Yes. Exactly. You know, yeah. I wanted to be a police officer since I was 16 years old. Wow. So you pursued it. I graduated it. at 18. I went into the Air Force. I got out of the Air Force at 21. And at 24, I became a police officer. Wow. And, you know, so I had that. Kids don't have dreams anymore. I, don't I know. It's sad. There's, yeah. there's nothing to pursue because we've become a friggin' society of entitlements and excuses. I know. Let me ask you a question. Um, I'm just curious because I applaud you for the work that you're doing. So how did you take being a bereaved parent over losing a daughter to a horrible thing? And how do you turn that into advocacy? You know, because we, you know, because you don't want anybody else to go through what we did. Right. You know, the the worst thing that can happen and the worst thing that does happen to us and everybody else, you know, ask Eddie Kobolis and everybody else, you know, what's the worst thing you read? You pick up a newspaper, you look at a Facebook posting and for God's sakes, another kid's dead. Another, you know, uh, college student is dead. Another 60 year old guy dies. You know, this hits every demographic in our country. It does. And you turn that advocacy into hopefully an awareness that's going to prevent a death. And that's that's all we're about. I'm not going to change the world. Right. But, you know, but hopefully we can change it one person at a time. And, you know, out of 500 people that we may talk to, hopefully 10 percent of them listen. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that, you know, one of the moms, uh, I think it was uh, Hernandez, you know, her son had died on campus at a a university in Texas. Mm -hmm. And when the police came and the coroner was there, she overheard two cops say, oh, you know what, just another junkie off the streets. I'll tell you right now that my own beloved police department, there were people within that police department that had that same opinion of my daughter. That's you know, crazy. Or, that's that's sickening. Well, you want to like well, knock somebody out for that? Well, I would. I, you know, I, it, <laughs> it, it's it's absurd for a police officer to think that, but that's the stigma of addiction. Right. That's the and, stigma of addiction. And when we started out, uh, a group of us, uh, we visited the Southern California Sheriff's Department. I think we, we six or seven of them. Every agency in Southern California of sheriffs, we went and sat down and talked to them. We talked to him about the stigma of addiction. We talked to him about the necessity of police taking these issues seriously. These are not overdoses. They are not accidental anything. You can't accidentally overdose on a half a pill of anything. Nothing is there. And for you to overdose or die from a half a pill, it's not what you think it is. And not being what you think it is, you've been poisoned. Right. Every agency we went to, they got it. You could see their light bulbs come on. San Bernardino County Sheriff, they uh, almost immediately within weeks created what they referred to as an overdose response team. Uh, People that were found deceased or suspected of having taken fentanyl, they rolled a a NARC unit that began these cases as a homicide. Well, resources being as they may, it gets to a point because I know last year in, in the county of San Bernardino, there were over 400 deaths in our county. In, wow. in the city of San Bernardino, there were over 50 deaths within the last two years. That's a lot of people and that's a lot of resources. But you have to start at the beginning and at least try and obtain the evidence that's necessary so that you can conduct the follow up if need be. Right, but, right. I mean, that's the whole situation. So, yeah. And I think, you know, we talked about, you know, I I talked to Ed Turnin and I think that 
we, tr- we need to get these programs into the schools and to, to deal with kids as young as possible, you know, middle yeah. school, junior high school. You know, the issue that I had was, you know, I was uh, my son was when he was in high school, he was captain of the football team. And he came right. to me one day and he goes, Dad, uh, the guys aren't taking alcohol and drugs seriously. You come and talk to the school. And I said at that time, you know, Trevor, if I start talking to these kids, they're going to know my story and they might say some bad things. He goes, Dad, I don't care. We have to help. So I, needless to say, I talked to the principal of the school and the social workers. And I went into the school once a week and talked to the health classes about drug addiction. But you well, know what happened to make a long story short? These kids sent me letters and I helped these kids, but they went home and they started asking their parents all these questions. And I got shunned by that whole town because the parents didn't want to have to answer the questions. If I have a kid who's trying to get sober from smoking marijuana at age 15 or 16, and they're going to an outpatient program, but then this girl goes home and dad's smoking a joint in the backyard. What kind of message is that? Well, the the kids understand what hypocrisy is. Okay. Give me a break. Yeah. It's crazy. So, uh, so yeah. And again, but, and again, we we still got to, the focus has to be right now on awareness group associated with fentanyl because fentanyl is that, that potential for immediate death. Right. Right. And those people that think that won't happen to them, I'm telling you, it can happen to you, but hopefully it never does. And that's the message, but you're right. We have, we still have to have, you know, effective, you know, drug treatment, right. Effective drug education in our schools and things like that. And I wouldn't start at middle school. I'd start about third or fourth grade. Well, I agree with you. And, you know, and now there's, there's a big movement in the country for, um, for high schools and schools just for kids that have drug abuse issues, that have substance abuse issues. You well, know? It sounds like a good uh, way to open up a charter school. My school is a charter where I work. That's great. But let me ask you a question about, do you think that um, as an ex-law enforcement officer, do you think that law enforcement as a whole needs to be more educated about addiction? Oh, no, of course they do. Of course they do. And, they, and they've, they've got to understand what the causes of addiction, the, the root causes and and what the potential treatment options are for addiction. And that there's such a broad perspective associated with treatment options too, you know, and, and right. what the laws should be and what they shouldn't be. You know, we get people throwing at us all the time, you know, well, we need to do what Portugal did. They legalized drugs and all that. Now read up on Portugal. They didn't legalize anything. No, they didn't. They and, didn't. and they're whatever success Portugal has experienced over the last 20 plus years, it's because of what they're doing. They didn't legalize anything. They're holding people accountable and, and providing those treatment options. But I, I, we need to do that in our country. We, we do. We need to do something associated with that. But, you know, but if we don't get this fentanyl issue under control, we're not going to have any addicts. They're all going to be dead. And I don't understand why our government isn't doing something. You know, why isn't there? Why is it? And again, I, I hate to judge, but why isn't our high ranking officials holding press conferences and saying, we're going to, we're going to appoint a drug czar. We're going to, you know, one mom said these soldiers coming back from Afghanistan and Iraq, why don't you just line them up on the borders and shut the borders down? (laughs) There's all sorts of ways we could do, but you know, Ann Milgram, the, uh, the new DEA administrator, um, well, I've got the utmost respect for her. She, uh, she has called Snapchat out on the carpet repeatedly. You know, she she made the correlation with uh, uh, human trafficking, child porn, and everything else on social media sites, and she said they they took care of that quickly. They were able to take care of that without a problem. 
right. why can't they take care of the drug distribution problem on Snapchat? Right. Well, they're just not doing everything that they can. And that comes from the DEA administrator, the top administrator. We I have mean, an ONDCP director, a new one. You know, I haven't, I have heard squat out of him relative to fentanyl. Everything is associated with what you will understand and learn to be the old paradigm back there in the old heroin addiction, the pills and everything else. Right. You got to focus on that new paradigm that began in 2013 and has continued throughout up to, to this day and is continuing with its escalation of deaths. Right. 65% of the deaths last year, as you already know, were directly associated with fentanyl toxicity. Right. How the hell does that goddamn happen and nobody's screaming? Uh, well, I don't understand. You said it when COVID happened. Oh my God, we're like having this major, major catastrophe. But how is it not getting the same? Well, I, I was looking at an article today uh, out of the Atlantic. It said, and the title is, How, how did this many deaths become normal? Right. How did a million deaths become, become normal? normal? Nobody is saying a million deaths from COVID is normal. Right. <laughs> We know it's abnormal. It's a, it's an anomaly, though. It was a virus. What we have here is a synthetic drug that's being manufactured by criminal organizations and distributed to our population. Right. That's not an anomaly. That's no. a crime. And that distribution crazy. and everything else needs to be addressed. And until it's, it's addressed, we're going to have people dropping dead in their friggin' rooms. <laughs> so what do you think? What do you think? As far as you're concerned, what are your next steps? Where's your involvement going? Where are you kind of pointing your direction? You know, we've uh, we've entered to, into a, uh, a memorandum of agreement with the, uh, the Drug Enforcement Administration, and uh, we're working with them in partnership to, to try to spread the message of one pill can kill. Right. Uh, throughout the throughout the nation, we're we're traveling, we're going to places, we're we're sending out our message, and we're we're urging people to watch our video, watch sure. Dead on Arrival, and uh, it's not a shock video; it's a real video. Where can they find? Where can people find that video? If they on the avoid website, just uh, www.stopthevoid.org, uh, there's a link to it. It's both in Spanish and English. Great. And uh, but it, it's 21 minutes that'll that'll give you something that you can talk about. Grab your kids, sit down and talk with them. There's no copyright or distribution restrictions. Send it to anybody you want to. Have them send it to their friends and just keep watching the damn thing. And there's contact information there for us. Great. And all you got to do is, you know, all of the other organizations out there, you know, Appalled, FACT, uh, yeah. you know, the uh, you know, Song for Charlie, everything else. We all are, are working towards the same goal. Yes. And hopefully that, that goal will, will come to fruition and, and we can start saving more lives. Yeah. You know, we have Appalled has a nationwide rally coming up June 3rd, right. you know, and, uh, I spoke to uh, Eddie Kobolis and April Babcock, and uh, I said, you know what? We're different groups with the same message, and I'm running the New York side outside Fox News Studios, and I think uh, April Babcock and those guys are going to come up, and we're going to all be united front. I'd rather see all these people. I'd rather have 100 people standing on the sidewalk outside Fox News Studios, whether it's a poll, the Fentanyl Awareness Coalition, or you know, Voices of Lost Fentanyl, and I'm hoping we can start to make some noise. Somebody's got to listen. At some point, somebody's got to listen. No, they, I, I think they're listening. They're just not getting it. I, <laughs> I, I get, and how they don't get it, it's addiction. People keep associating it with addiction and, oh, well, don't go to that medicine cabinet and take grandma's pill that's in there. People aren't taking pills out of medicine cabinets anymore and dying. They're buying stuff off the streets and offline. That's where they're dying.
That's why they're dying. Hey, listen, uh, Steve, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out. I, I hope at some point in time I get a chance to meet you and cross paths. You know, I, uh, I reached out to Jaime and uh, we're going to set some time up. I'm reaching out yeah. to as many people as I can. I'm, I'm trying to use this platform to bring awareness, to do everything that I can to, to right. help the cause. And uh, I can't thank you enough for spending the time today. Listen to that new paradigm. Oh, listen, I, 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 I was on a, Mike, if that, that is the easy. Michael is so intelligent. Sometimes you might have to simplify it a little bit, but the paradigm is the paradigm. Yeah, no, he did a thing. I was last week. I, I took part. He did a thing, a live Facebook thing. He talked about the new paradigm. There were a couple of hundred people online that we listened and it was right. pretty interesting. Well, and he, I'm going to, he and Eddie Coble has just testified in front of Congress. I know. Eddie, Eddie told the story of his son's death and, yeah. and uh, Michael about uh, Amanda's death. And he right. also explained the paradigm. <laughs> it was very eloquently presented and understandable to anybody that wanted to listen. Yeah, well, I keep praying every day that, you know, and I, and I figure, you know, like you, I'm just going to try to keep yelling and making as much noise and bring awareness to as many people as possible. And that hopefully there'll be a day when... Uh, the message will be clear, you know, stay away from drugs unless it's prescribed by a doctor and you get it from a pharmacist for a particular reason. You hope so. Okay. Anything I can do to help or void as an organization, we can yes. please let us know. And we're, we're available and we, we have credit cards and we'll get on a plane and come for, for whatever we need to. So I thank you guys. So guys, right. uh, remember, um, you can find my book, lost innocence, my journey from addiction to recovery on amazon.com both Kindle and paperback versions. And remember, if you want something you've never had, do something you've never done. Carpe diem and God bless. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.